0: This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I am delighted to welcome Rebecca Ward to the show. Rebecca will talk about fear and how to liberate yourself from the illusion of fear but we are so lucky to have her. She is a a licensed therapist, a certified executive coach, and a trauma educator. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my goodness. I am really excited to dive into a juicy conversation. Your incredible book is called The Paper Tiger Syndrome, but that that concept of a paper tiger may be new to some of our global listeners. So if you can start us off there, providing context, what is a paper tiger?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Good question. So um, the paper tiger a paper tiger this term has been around for roughly about sixty years it it uh uh was uh, during the communist uh movement that that began in China Mao Zedong actually came up with this term and what it means is a paper tiger is the illusion of fear. it's not a real tiger it's a paper tiger. Real tigers are something that we, our ancestors had to confront on a regular basis, and we had a nervous system back then that uh, was designed to uh, automatically go into a fight, flight, or freeze state when something threatening like a real t- tiger was coming at us. In the modern world, we face fewer of those imminent threats in our daily lives, and yet our nervous systems still perceive... Tigers, threats, fears in our environment all the time. And what we need to do is train the nervous system for the modern world to be able to distinguish between a real tiger, a real threat, and a paper tiger, the illusion of fear. And the illusions of fear run the gamut. It's those things that cause you stress, anxiety, depression, um, all kinds of things that are running your life on a daily basis and we don't know about the tools that are out there to help regulate our bodies and our minds so that the those threats those misfires that are happening regularly uh, can begin to subside significantly so that's what the book's about
0: let's let's talk about this because stress is really eroding the health and well-being of so many people in the world of work. And I know you do a lot of work with executives. We're reading studies about how depression and anxiety around the world are at an all-time high. Tell me, is there a correlation to fear with depression and anxiety? And and how are you working to help uh, bring better health and well-being?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say in in countries like the United States, UK, Australia, where um, you know, the, the pace in which uh, people are working and the pressure on people is continuing to rise. Um, stress is becoming roughly two-thirds of, of those cultures are dealing with some underlying health condition related to stress. So it's a, it's, an, it's really the an epidemic in the world that we are under a tremendous amount of stress in war-torn countries. Like Ukraine, the stress is unreal. So these, there are real threats in those some of these war-torn countries that people really do need their nervous system to kick into uh, a, an automatic uh, survival response. But for the rest of us, you know, business pressures, daily deadlines at work, those kinds of things should not uh, do not does not require that kind of response. So what? What people folks need to do is to learn how to regulate their nervous system. That's the fundamental basic practice that um, that we need to get far better at. And in the in the business world, we are rewarded for our intellect. We're not aware of how much the body can help serve the mind, the intellect. When we are, when the system, when your nervous system is regulated. What that's doing is it, the the messages come from the nervous system and send a message up to your, your two brains. One of your, one of your brains is the default. So it goes through your survival brain, your primitive brain, what is also known as the amygdala. That's the first step always. That message comes up through the the amygdala and determines whether you're safe or not. So if there's pressure at work, it's going through that uh, network first, from the body to the brain to that amygdala. And then if if the system isn't regulated, it's going to interpret what's happening in your environment as a real threat. And that's what causes anxiety. It causes us to overwork and shut down. There's all kinds of ways the system will also produce messages that are false, that the interpretation of this false threat becomes language through the lens of a primitive brain. So catastrophic thinking like I'm gonna get fired or I'm gonna lose my job or I'll be homeless or uh, someone's gonna leave me or all kinds of fears that we have. Um, Addictions are a, a way that we avoid fears, right? So the shutdown, the burnout that people are experiencing all at the root of all of those survival strategies is fear. Rebecca, you
0: are very open and, and vulnerable in the book. And you talk about your personal experience and you share some stories from clients. Would you be willing to share one or two with the global audience so they understand what happens under that kind of stress?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I will share my own story because it's those, the first chapter of the whole book. I, um you know, I lost my father when I was 20. And that was a huge pivotal moment for me to lose him at such a a young age. Um, I wasn't prepared. It was unexpected. And um, what happened in that moment, I had my own fears. How am I going to take care of myself? I don't have my father here anymore. He's the protector. He's the person that I'm supposed to look to and ask for advice and guidance. And I had all of these fears about what I should do career wise i went off to journalism school hoping to be a photojournalist and travel the world and uh surface you know the the wrongs of the world like human rights and climate change issues and when that happened i lost that courage i lost my i was afraid to fail afraid of not being able to take care of myself so i changed uh i changed my degree and i chose a sensible shoe so to speak I chose the safe route and that set me on a course for 20 years. I don't regret it, but it wasn't the choice I would have wanted to make. I I got further and further away from what I was passionate about. So that's an example of how fear can drive big choices in life about your career. Um, And there's little things throughout your day at work that uh, are often driven by fear as well.
0: I'm I'm chuckling at the sensible shoe comment. My goodness. I I can relate to that so much because I think often there's a cultural um message, do something that's practical, do something that will lead to a high-earning career. You know, yes. these are the messages out there. Yes. And yes. you're right. Fear fear often prevents us from doing what we are really drawn to. But you have this beautiful way in the book about helping others um reframe and, and think about transforming their stressors into growth and resilience and reconnection yes. to really hone their truest version of themselves. So before you go there, because I do want you to go there, how, how does one know if fear is running
1: their career, making us opt for those sensible shoes? Sure. Yeah. So um, have you ever been afraid to speak up at work? Sure. Have you, right. Have you ever been afraid to challenge people? have you ever been yeah. afraid to to that you might get fired um choosing a career like i did uh, that wasn't what you wanted that's another big example uh, imposter syndrome i it, yeah. i'm not i don't belong here this is a common very very common uh fear we have that's uh, i am not good enough is underneath that that's all fear i uh a lot of women struggle with this uh sort of Staying small at work, not speaking up. We have a lot of uh, conditioned mindsets about speaking up, about uh, advocating for ourselves. Struggling with negotiating salaries. I'm afraid to, you know, to be rejected. Maybe they won't give me the job. These are fears. I'm afraid that I'll lose my job. The re- the recession that we're going through right now. Afraid that I'll be homeless. You know, some of these could be real. Some of them could be catastrophic and i would say wow. for most people you know that's a it's legitimate fear that you might lose your job and in most instances there there are um, there's some kind of a stopgap that will help support us that we won't uh, resort to the extremes in most cases
0: rebecca we could talk about this all day and we will continue after a quick break Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at CarolindowdHiggins.com. Okay, so let's pick up where we just left off. So you describe the fear, you describe the catastrophizing. So what's the first step in flipping the narrative and thinking about growth or leaning into the fear and naming it and claiming it and, and
1: navigating it. Yeah, so Great question. So this journey requires courage. You know, I, I like to say that most people are too afraid to look at their heart emotions, their anger, their shame, their uh, appeasing others like wanting to be like scarcity. There's all kinds of fears, different faces and forms of fear. And it does require courage. So that's step one. Like you could easily go through life and just ignore these things. Your quality of life will be significantly less than what it could be. But you have to be willing to walk through your fears, not to sit in them, to walk through them. And that requires courage. So courage is you jump in, you know, you jump into this work, you dedicate yourself, you devote yourself to this work. And you come out on the other side of fear. You move from fear to safety. I feel safe in myself. I feel content inside. This is uh contentment is the the really the the marker of moving out of fear is feeling content inside. We aren't very aware of this undercurrent of dis ease in our bodies and the that undercurrent that we uh that tends to follow all of us. We don't even recognize it because it's never not been there. So going into a place of true safety, true contentment inside yourself, being satisfied with your life will bring you to the next stage of that bridge, which is love, love, fear fear to safety, to contentment, to love. And that expansion inside the capacity and the resilience is yours. On the other end of that bridge is... I can navigate just about any stressor with far more capacity, far less fear. And when fear needs to be there, I uh, I, I recognize when those moments in life uh, generate a, at the autonomic nervous system to take over, I won't be in charge of that part, but I'll be in charge of all of these illusions of fear. And so, I'm so...
0: I I so appreciate that because there are times fight flight freeze where you do need to run right. When the saber tooth tiger is coming after you, for example. So I, I, I love that. So the um, fear to safety, to contentment, to love, that was Mm -hmm. really powerful. And you bring such a unique perspective as a licensed therapist and also a certified coach and, and someone who's an expert in trauma education. So tell us a little more about how this impacts our nervous system and what we might do to lower these stress levels to really navigate walking through the fear as you've said yeah
1: yeah well one the first thing is awareness right so how do i know that i'm feeling some form of fear the the book will help unpack that but in in a, in short what I would say is if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling depression, if you are in some way staying small in your life, you're, you're under some form of fear and you'll feel if you are connected to your body. It's not always there where we are actually designed not to feel the intensity of our fears. So, but you might notice some constriction in your chest, right down the vertical line of your chest in the center there. That is anxiety. That's the what we call the vagus nerve, constricting the lungs and a little bit of the heart. That vagus nerve is should be settled. It's the largest bundle of nerves in your body. And when that nerve is constricted, it's going to uh, significantly impact your health over if it's a chronic situation. So what you want to do is be aware, notice that your, if your system is dysregulated, then you need to do a practice of some form of breathing and slowing down. If you're speaking fast, if you're moving fast on a regular basis, you're probably in high sympathetic charge, high anxiety. And if, you're, uh, if you struggle with depression, it's the opposite. You may feel more shut down, disconnected, a bit numb, uh, a little uh, burnt out. And that's more on the depression side. So you want this nice balance between what we call your sympathetic charge, which is your get up and go, taking action in the world, and your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest part of your nervous system. And when those two are, are in lockstep and they're, they're working in harmony together, you're in what you call your window of resilience, And that means I can think and feel simultaneously. I have the capacity to work with uh, pressure and stress without having it impact my nervous system. And I can stay in my higher order thinking brain, my prefrontal cortex, for longer periods of time so that I'm more innovative, I'm more creative, I can think strategically, and I can deal with confrontation and conflict and difficulty in the workplace much more effectively and much in a much more compelling way from that part of yourself I I hear that clarity of mind is is so essential there.
0: So let me ask you this. This is an interesting time in history. We're navigating what I call the post pandemic journey. I don't think we're done with covid, but we're 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 regulating it in a way that it's being uh, we're able to live with it differently. Thankfully, it's Mm -hmm. not as lethal as it was in the very beginning. But the the world has changed. And my perception is that there is a a heightened level of stress and anxiety. And you and I were chatting before the show and, and the ability for individuals to be able to handle fear can have a global exponential effect. It can make our world a safer place. So talk about that a little.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially post-pandemic because what's been happening with all of us, we have been isolated and isolation is not good for human beings. And the lack of our empathy scores have gone down. Our, our empathy neurons that fire off when we look at each other and smile have been masked by a mask. We've been isolated. So we're more prone to being anxious, irritable, in some instances, worst case scenario, violent, um, overwhelmed, because we haven't had a lot of social engagement. So even to the extreme of what's happening with Putin is an example of it. That's an extreme case, but it is causing systemic destruction across the world. And all the way down to just our crime rates were really high during pandemic, they're starting to come down. But the that, that those extreme instances can have catastrophic impact on our societies. So mm-hmm. it's a serious problem. It's, it's not just about general health and the individual. It's what are we putting out into the world? Are we putting out nervous systems that are in constant state of fear Or are we putting out nervous systems that can regulate themselves and uh, be able to distinguish between a real tiger and a paper tiger?
0: So in the spirit of being proactive, your book has amazing exercises and tools to help the readers, in your words, walk the bridge from fear to safety to resilience. Might you share a glimpse of, of one exercise to whet the appetite of
1: this global audience? Absolutely. So one of the things that I I talk about in the book is this amazing bundle of nerves in your body called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is very quickly, the largest bundle of nerves in your body. Amazing that we don't learn about it, but it is connected to every major, almost every major organ in your body from your, all the muscles in your face your neck, your sinuses, trachea, teeth, esophagus, tongue, vocal cords, your throat, your ears, nose, and eyes, all the way down to your lungs and heart, pancreas, stomach, and in your intestines, kidneys, gallbladders. The only thing that this, and the brainstem, the only thing that the vagus nerve is not connected to, is major connection, is your prefrontal cortex, your higher order thinking brain. Which is why, as I was saying earlier, The default for our nervous systems and this vagus nerve, which is at the core of how we regulate our nervous systems, has to go through your primitive brain first. That's the default. So what you want to do is take up a practice, and I'm going to share one with you in a moment, uh, that helps to settle that relationship between the network of this vagus nerve that's connected to all these critical organs and it's communication line up to that amygdala, that primitive brain. So when it's settled, all of these organs are doing their primary job, which is to keep you healthy and keep you present. When they're not, it's per- maybe misperceiving a tiger in your environment, especially in social situations. And it's, it's triggering a, a fear response in your body and in your brain. So what you do is this practice called the VOO breathing method, V-O-O, V as in vector. It's very similar for listeners who know the OM sound when you breathe out and you're meditating. That OM sound is similar. The VOO breathing method is a little bit different because it gauges more more of the vagus nerve, especially up in your, your face and your neck. So you make this sound on your long out breath called Vu, and it sounds like this. Voo. And when you do that three to five times, your nervous system will feel different. You're going to feel more spaciousness inside your body, more settling inside, less constriction in your chest and belly. So that's what you want. You want that nervous system to be regulated. That voo breathing method's a great way to do it. And you should know notice a difference. If you don't notice a difference, you your body may be a bit disconnected, shut down, maybe maybe a little bit numb. Keep up the practice and still, until you notice something different. Some people feel, start to feel their emotions and they're not sure what to do with it. I, I'm more emotional. That's probably because that um, you're, you've been a bit cut off from your body. So emotions reside in the body. They don't reside in your head. You can think of feeling. That's very different from actually feeling the sensation of your emotions. So wouldn't it be nice to fully feel what you're feeling, that vagus nerve and that food breathing method will help you do that too. It'll lower your fear responses and allow you to make more sound decisions personally and professionally. So just a good, you know, good tool to use.
0: Rebecca, I have learned so much from you today. I've taken copious notes. I've got your gorgeous book sitting here right next to me. And I want to tell our global audience the name of the book. It is The Paper Tiger Syndrome, How to Liberate Yourself from the Illusion of Fear. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But share with our audience how they might follow you
1: online. Yeah. So reach out to me on my website. Um, it's called iris, like the flower, institute.com. Uh, there's all kinds of resources on my website and ways to get in touch with me. So I encourage you to go there. And I'm also uh, available on all the major social media channels, Rebecca Ward. Uh, I am Rebecca Ward is typically how you'll find me.
0: Rebecca, thank you so much. You are a treasure. I have learned so much. And I'm
1: I'm grateful for the time that you shared with me today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation, Caroline.
0: And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this will help new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.